Podcasts are two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for April and May 1988, progs 571 to 574. This time, Dread gets a hit, man. Johnny Alpha oh. rides into the sunset. Rogue Trooper finishes one hit and starts another. Lots of hits. I would have said Johnny, Johnny gets bit, man. Hey, hey! Oh, that, that's good, actually. Never mind. Um, the ABC Warriors are taken in the sights of Agartha, and Luke Kirby arrives in a small town in 62 for some summer magic. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot. Uh, uh, that was good. Uh, it's the summer of 62. <laughs> um, if you were to re- want to re- read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 11 and 12, crossing over, Rogue Trooper, Tales of New Earth 3, Strong Team Dog, SDHG Files 4, ABC Warriors, The Mech Files 1, and Summer Magic, The Complete Journal of Luke Kirby. Can I just call this episode Weird Uncle Magic? Oh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> or Weird we're- Uncle Magic. I, or Uncle a, Magic? It's weird. Uncle, it's Uncle Weird Magic. Yeah. yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird when your when your uncle shows you some magic, and it's actual magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that feels like the best of all the possible options of <laughs> other kinds of magic your uncle could be showing you. To be and honest. getting scarred for life, you know, watching some kind of nanny get devoured. Let's. You're jumping ahead, Fox. All right? I can't help it. I'm so excited. You're, you're teleporting around the thrills like a common murder-bent rogue trooper. Speaking oh. of which, <laughs> thrill one, rogue trooper. I can see that uh, our prog progression is not a democracy. No. I, okay, well, <laughs> it's one. It's an inside joke, man, for rogue. <laughs> see, I'm sticking to it. Yeah, well, I mean, one, there's two of us, so there's no way to break ties. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have at least... A half vote extra, it or to a full extent, a full vote. Yeah, extra. and two, like, listen, like, you know, I'm like, I, I, I get a lot of say because I'm doing all the work. <laughs> That's what I'm talking like, about. Man, well, okay, but then it's like a whole road no situation, offense, buddy. But you know, listen, still, like, <laughs> I, us chips, us chips deserve a vote too, man. Yeah, very much carrying Fox around so he can sort of do his specified work in specific situations here. I, I oh, consider God. myself more of a helm than a bagman or a gunner, personally. Damn. Listen, I think you're a gunner, buddy, because <laughs> you got you got strong opinions, and sometimes you go off on your own. That's so that's fine. pretty true. <laughs> anyway, Script Robot, uh, we, we love each other, for real. It's awesome. Listen, <laughs> me and Fox. Don't get it twisted. Um, script robot Simon Geller, art robot Steve Dillon, letting robot Gordon Robson is kid. Funny thing also is that when he needs me, he just uh, telepathically makes me jump into his hand. I mean, I think I did like a couple a couple prog years ago, but I believe that's been retconned <laughs> out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These rogue real... trooper jokes, man. I feel like, I feel like I'm in a weird place right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Glad so, I got us Ro- there. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Rogue Troopers finishes second hit, and he's now he's going to get some rest on our old buddy New Earth. I feel like that's the worst place to do that, but sure. Me too. Uh, it's, everyone's still fighting like crazy, and Rogue watches a battle from up on a high mesa. The uh, chips talk about the futility of war, and then we cut to some spy shit, basically, as uh, people <laughs> spar in like some kind of uh, bit holding lady. One of them's a lady. Woo! Oh my god, see? Equal opportunity assassins. That's right. Yeah, it's like the like the later Assassin's Creed games when they started adding in one or two ladies. <laughs> Appreciate. I've been I've, I'm playing through that series, Fox. So I've got a, I've got a lot of hot Assassin's Creed takes. If anybody get your licks in, man. Me up. I, I can't do it here. There's uh, <laughs> no time. <laughs> yeah, so these guys, are the Seekers, I guess, and All now right. they've been called by, in by one of those office dudes from last episode. I'm going to call these two dudes a uh, bull cut and man bun. Just That's for the record, perfect. They're otherwise unnamed, but one guy's uh, thin and has one of those like like a uh, like it's not like super long, but it is kind of like a shaved sides like a. Uh, it's an like awkward haircut, man. It's an yeah, awkward. It's not one. great. And the other guy's kind of this big Elvis dude with the man bun, basically. I mean, he's know? the most dangerous man alive. He's Steven Seagal now, right? Man, I can't tell if. Okay, hold on, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, like, yeah, I, 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 I can't tell if they're talking about Rogue when they're doing this or that guy. Like, it's hard. I don't understand it. I mean, but anyway, front and center of the face. Anyway, I'm gonna let you do. It's this. true. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the same time, Rogue is returning to some oasis high in the hills of New Earth, where he and the Chips can uh, chill out and prep for the next mission, who's, which is going after a Nort's weapons specialist. Seekers get briefed by Bull Cut as Man Bun looks on from a one-way window. <laughs> And that night, Rogue sleeps as the chips seem to be having a conversation that includes voting. And, you know, just so you know, the target of the Seekers, buddy, it's Rogue Trooper. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, that was coming. <laughs> Certainly implied. Uh, so, next next prog, Bowl Cut sort of recaps the general premise of Rogue Trooper. Along with his new mission to hunt humans, humans for aliens. Meanwhile, the chips are demanding that their partnership with Rogue become a full democracy, but Rogue is skeptical. And this all, <sighs> to me, feels very similar to that one Ace Trucking story where Feek and GBH formed a union. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this, the chips sort of ganging up on Rogue, has, may have actually retread. happened in Rogue Trooper before. Oh, yeah. I mean, multiple times, man. And yeah. it's never worked out in their favor because, I mean, despite being also brains and souls, they're not like... Yeah, anyway. In the end, they're just objects, you know? (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but they are just kind of relegated at this point and also not the meat that's keeping them alive. I mean, listen, I don't, yeah, I don't want to offend some sort of a futuristic listener to this podcast that's just energy or whatever. Yeah, you know, (laughs) we're we're pro chips. It's just, you know, it's a combat situation. I'm with Rogue on this one. Yeah, in the end, like when you're a when you're a living being with a soul and intelligence, but you're also just a hat. Like you know, <laughs> you just don't get a full say. Uh, it's true. Um, anyway, <laughs> the Seekers Fantastic. got their mission. They'll be dis- <laughs> they'll be dispatched to the 33 people most likely to be on Rogue's hit list. Wait there and engage if Rogue arrives. Uh, okay. I mean, that seems pretty simple for super yeah. assassins. You know, they sort of hang out and they wait if if it's going to happen. Uh, speaking of simple plans, Rogue's got one for the scientist. They warp into his lab, shoot him, leave. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a pretty straightforward good idea plan. 
Yeah, the chips, however, have a more complicated plan. And basically, you warp into a room nearby, scope the place out, sneak in, try to steal this scientist's weapon, maybe, if it's cool, and then kill him and, and get out of there. I Maybe. I, that's Yeah, I don't think the whole point was the weapon, though, right? Seems sidetracked. Rogue has a similar answer, but they vote, and the motion carries three to one. All right. The Seekers are heading out, and they get just get some basic questions here. If anybody gets in your way, kill them. And if Rogue shows up, Man Bun orders them to kill Rogue as well. No taking him alive. And as he does, he caresses the face of one of the lady Seekers, which is uncomfortable. Yeah, and she looks a lot like Venus Blue Jeans, man. I'm yeah, up. I, I, I don't know how much of that might just be Steve Dillon, though. Uh, like, I mean, fair. I love Steve Dillon's work, but he does have a little bit of like face face similarity be- between right. a lot of his characters, I guess. Gaunt I lady. Know. Yeah, it kind of like like I don't know. It's it, it it it's one of the things where like like I loved Preacher, but um, and and that was where I first really encountered Steve Dillon. Mm. And then when I read some other stuff that he did, I'd like are these just like are characters from Preacher also showing up in these other things? But no, it's just sort of like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, everybody's got limitations and differences in their own. Oh, artists. sure. It's, you know, it's I, it, it's not an insult. I'm trying not. I'm not trying to insult Dylan. I'm just sort of talking about like the nature of his uh, style. I guess. I think that anyway, you have the the liberty to be that kind of critic after reading so much. I mean, as we've often said, like you know, when you, if you've eaten one pie, you don't know much about pies. But once you've eaten <laughs> 180 pies, you get a it's concept a of, of what of of what pies are about. You know. Mm. Um, anyway. <laughs> Rogue and the Lady Seeker both gear up and commence to traveling. It's the end of hit two. Hit three's about to begin. Hell yeah, baby. After a prog off, we get uh, Rogue Trooper is back in the front of the comic as the chips are planning the hit um, with only Rogue voting against the chips ideas. And he seems very um, resigned to it. It's kind of funny. I mean, you know, he's still backing up his buddies. Yeah. Then the hit's underway. Rogue warps into an enemy bunkhouse and has to desperately beat up like four dudes. Uh, bad, they just bad choice. Right at him. Yeah. Um, at the same time, a very grim looking fella, probably one of the Seekers, is stealthily backstabbing his way through the uh, place as well. Mm. From the floor above, back, they've like drilled a hole in the floor, basically, back on the floor <laughs> to probe to the, to the, to the lab. Uh, finding a scientist working on some kind of big uh, cannon kind of thing. Sweet. Big cannons are dope. Yeah. Probably hard to steal and take with you, though. Watch it just be like a feed the world cannon. <laughs> Rogue plans to wait until night, then seek in and ransack the place. But Bagman forces them to have a debate and vote about it. Because, uh, like, he's gone mad with democracy, Fox. That's uh, the problem with democracy, man. <sighs> not working uh that night as the seekers as the seeker looks on from the, from an air duct rogue makes his way out he tries to find info in the lab but he doesn't know what he's doing he's just kind of shoves the papers around and <laughs> I stuff mean, he wasn't built for computers dude man i gotta say if you ask me to like go to some lab and figure out which blueprints were important <laughs> and which ones were just like um dummies or just like you know also, a, a, a blueprint for some guy's um, side hobby of making a, po- a toaster, I would not be able to know. I mean, you know, um, drop me in CERN, I wouldn't know what the fuck I'm doing anywhere. I know what I'd do. I'd party and jump in that black <laughs> hole. Good times. Oh, my God. What? Come on. <laughs> be no fun. spaghetti, please. Go to that alternate world where I've still got my point, you know, hang out with those guys for a little bit. Be good oh times. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Anyway, a voice r- rings out from behind Rogue, 
It's that scientist. He's got a bunch of guns. Man, it's like, what's the and point goons. of having a scanning hat if it's not going to, like, scan that dudes are coming in? Seriously. And he says, drop your weapons or die as the seeker looks on from the catwalk above. Man, that guy is already pretty stabby. I, like, you know, I don't know if he's yeah. going to not stab those guys. <laughs> Seems possible for sure. Next time on Rogue Trooper, eyes down. Pretty good. It's not, it's not, I, you know, I feel bad saying this. It's not bad yet. <laughs> little, little tired of the, chi- I mean, the chips just go through the same thing all the time. I'm going to be the chip mm-hmm. that's, or it's either one or all of them that get some kind of wily and cause the problems. And then Rogue's got to just figure out those problems and the current problems. But, yeah. the, you know, as a B plot, whatever, the A plot's still pretty good. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's interesting how after that first hit that was like 10 or 12 issues long, these ones have been pretty fast. Like yeah. uh, hit two, we sort of started last episode and finishing this one. Um, hit three is going to end next episode. And I think hit four is coming out pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I like I, it does definitely feel very beat, 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 beat. You know, we're not hanging yeah, around well, too I- much other than the occasional recap page, which whatever. I feel like there is a lot of recapping going on, honestly. I feel like... Hey, it saves you a page. Yeah, between like the legend that we had last episode, that was just a two-page full recap, and then partial recaps in um, both Hit 2 and Hit and, and hit 3, I guess. Yeah. They are doing a lot to establish this new character. Actually, I think ABC Warrior suffers from this a little bit, too. We can talk about it then. Oh, yeah. But there is a lot of like, just, hey, we've got... Like, here's a situation, just so you know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but speaking of, of uh, guys finish finishing up their missions, Fox. Oh yeah, thrill to strontium dog. Man, this uh, this whole thing is just <sighs> me me feeling real bad for Red. Oh yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, script for about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art about Carlos Scarlett and about Gordon Robson as Kid Robson. Actually, no, I'm on the fence. I've, I've got some problems with our Red act with I'd, Red's actions here. I mean, you know. It's uh, so mutant, mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Durham Red are on a spaceship going after the guy that hired the stones to kill Strontium Dogs. As they fly, Johnny seems to be passed out, and, Ro- and Red enters his room, checks that he's knocked out, like pr- opens an eye, he doesn't respond, and then bites his neck, and that's messed up. Oh yeah, I mean she drugged him, right? So this, yeah. but you know, it's also, I mean, she's into him super hard and wants his yeah. wants his blood. I guess. I mean, that's that doesn't the thing. matter. Well, and also, like, better than her going blood crazy. No, listen. <laughs> Johnny wakes up. He's like, "What the fuck?" And this is where I get back to the point that I made in earlier um, Durham Red um, uh, story, which is that blood play must always be consensual. That's all right. A- <laughs> that's a T-shirt. As true as it was today, as true today as it is 200 years from now, folks. Oh, my God. <laughs> but seriously, like, if this, like, if, um, if, if, like, I, I, I too was, was sort of sympathetic to, uh, to Red and her point about not wanting to go blood crazy or something. Mm. But, like, that's when you ask somebody politely to drink their blood. <laughs> 
not knock them out. If this wasn't a sexy vampire lady, like oh, sure. if the uh, if the roles were reversed here and it was Johnny drugging Red and drinking her blood, that would be like fucked up. I don't want to read this comic anymore. Or almost. like a space slug or something, you know. You're right. Like, I mean, you know. I mean, it's literally what Dracula does. And Dracula's generally a, a villain unless you're an edgy <sighs> teenager who's read a lot of Anne Rice or something. Oh. <laughs> This dot came in and chucked my blood. It was so hot. I'm just saying, even if like Edward from if Edward from Twilight had like a oh, I mean, we don't had, need to go down that route. Bella that, a bunch of times. I mean, that'd it's be, already like, real a pretty. That whole thing it, is a rapey even more prose. objectionable than normal. Is what I'm okay. Trying to say. <laughs> anyway, okay, anyway. vampires are rapey. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, I'm not like again, I'm I'm. I'm I'm not trying to say that's specifically what happened, but like oh, it's, it's pretty specifically what happened. Yeah. I mean in a way. So, Johnny's real pissed about this and punches Red Square in the face, knocking her out because of it. Yep. He locks her in the brig, we're through. Oof. Uh, on Scooby's world, Johnny interrogates the man he's been looking for named Morlock. <laughs> and after and not a few just with words, but with punches, man. I love no. it. Yeah. After a couple, after a couple uh, uh, softening faced punches, he gives up the info. His hirer was named Sticks. Oh, them Sticks brothers, but they did. Yeah. yeah, aren't they dead? Yeah, one one died trying to um, snipe his bounty on Hitler, and another <laughs> one, <laughs> and the other two died helping a modern Hitler, Oof. Johnny's dad, Nelson Nelson Bunker Creelman. These guys are uh, not kill, good kill dudes. Kill all the mutants. Yeah. Anyhow, he pistol whips Morlock, yes. wraps him in a rug, and head, and locks him up in the brig. And then we get like a funny joke about I've never seen a straw, you know, arrest a rug before. I'm like, man, that is like such a classic. I have a guy in a rug thing. Totally, yeah. I love I love a good uh, rug wrapping, whether mm-hmm. it's for sexy purposes like like Cleopatra or <laughs> one of those. Um, like Mongol, like sentences where it's like uh, against the it's it's against God's will to spill royal blood, so they wrap you in a carpet and then have horses trample you, so they don't actually spill any blood when they execute you. <laughs> like your your Yule Brenner uh, like throwback here. I mean, that's that's what happened. That's the history. I don't know. That's beautiful. Or that's the, at least the apocryphal history, one way or another. That's the spectrum of rug wrappings, is what I'm trying to say. Wonderful. He tosses more like in the brig. Red tries to talk to Johnny, and he, Johnny just blows her off. I got nothing to say to you, Red. Nothing at all. Oh, little tear Next going up, down her stones. beautiful face. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's sad, but that's why you don't like rape, dudes, buddy. Yeah, blood like, play consensual. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why you don't do non-consensual blood play. You yep. know, because I love it. It, it, it I, ruins a friendship. <laughs> all need right? to work that into my normal life, not the blood play. <laughs> But the phrase. Oh, God. Yeah. What is this show? <laughs> Going off the rails. I got to find a way to edit in that long silence we just had. Anyway. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that's necessary. <laughs> so on a sweet bugger, uh, hover bike, Johnny Alpha arrives at the Sticks liber- Lizard Farm. When the gate guard stops him, Johnny just gets it with a judo chop. Oh, beautiful. But, uh, you I, know, Judo Chop is only successful if you knock a dude out. He radios his backup. I think Johnny isn't too worried about that, honestly. Because when I mean, he's clearly. met by a bunch of uh, pissed off looking lizard farmers, <laughs> he just stuns a couple of them straight out and the rest of them let him pass. Hey, that's what I mean, don't mess with the man. He seems like he's on a warpath. 
He's, he's having a bad day, to be honest. Mm. Uh, Johnny stumps in. Or sorry, so it, it looks like old man Sticks is dying. A priest tries to get his last rites, but the old cuss ain't repented nothing. Beautiful. Johnny stumps in, dismisses the priest. We learn that this guy is the father of the three Sticks boys, and he's glad that the Stones were able to take at least five Strontium dogs down in revenge for his dead kids. He... Even tries to choke Johnny to death as he dies, but instead just, you know, passes on in the process. The chief, the uh, priest chides him and Johnny heads back to the spaceport. He finds, uh, like, I, I, I think it's the uh, Morlock guy, like, uh, killed basically and in, in red cell yeah. empty. She write, she's left him a note say, uh, admitting that she can't be trusted, but you'll see him around sometime. Oh. Love red. Oh, Byron. the end of stone killers. Man, they dead. I mean, the old man's dead. It's pretty good. That's right. Yeah. So we'll get a little bit more Johnny Alpha in the next prog like that that we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Along with a brief cameo for Midface McNulty, who is also in this story, but he'll be back for real in Prog 580. Awesome. Durham Red will return in Prog 762. Oh, yeah. And that's really sticks, far away. <laughs> it is pretty far away. And uh, the sticks will return in one form or another in Prog 960. What? Whoa. Whoa. Okay. I will not remember that. No, no, no. It'll be fun when they show back up again, for sure. <laughs> um, next up, Incident on Zeta. Just a little self-contained story, and Ascara is listed as helping to plot this one, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. It's pretty quick. Yeah, this one's good. On a big space station, the sh- uh, the shuttle to the Vegas gaming satellite is delayed, I, and it's holding love, up the plans of our buddy Johnny Alpha. Yeah, this is ahead, such sorry. a Strontium dog slash Johnny Alpha play. It's like when their thing is held up, it's almost always some things going down. They're like, all right, we're just going to fix this so that I can not be late. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the shuttle's been delayed because it's been taken over by, by, uh, by uh, terrorists, basically, or some convicts, I guess. Lady convict yeah. terrorists. Yeah. Johnny pushes his way through and talks to the chief of the cops. It's the Beverly sisters. And Johnny knows that they have bounties, but it's like a thousand credits each. He's like, Jesus, like this is way beneath what I'd normally do. But they are holding up traffic, so I guess I'll take care of this shit. I mean, man, he, it's, yeah, it goes pretty quick here. <laughs> yeah. He walks into the, into the shuttle, immediately just like tricks and wall assassinates one of the sisters, heads, heads the air ducts, takes out two more. Um, but the final one, Fran Beverly has a grenade, and if she attacks him, he'll if if he attacks her, she'll drop it, which will kill them all and destroy the ship. Uh, so she has Johnny drop all of his weapons. He obliges, including a preset time bomb. Oh, beautifully! And it's uh, you know, on uh, on impact with the floor, it uh, starts to detonate. Yeah, that's right. Goes off, and she's warped thirty seconds or thirty minutes into the past from the uh, satellite, where she blows up harmlessly. Good times. Oof. The ship is underway, and three hours later, Johnny arrives on the Vegas station with a few extra bucks to go hang and play and play cards with his friends. Nice. My luck's in today. The end. It's so nice. Nice little story. Nice little. Yeah, cap. I like. I agree. I like this one a lot. I just sort of as this uh, finish up of Strontium Dog because it is the end of an era here, Fox. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I remember. Strontium Dog will return in Prog 580 with a new regular artist, Simon Harrison of Bradley. And this is Ascara's final Strontium Dog work for quite some time. Ooh. Though that will free him up to do some other stuff, most notably an upcoming Dread Mega Epic and a bunch of other things. Oh, cool. Okay. 
Carlos Escara will return to Strontium Dog in 600 progs in January of the year 2000. Oh. So get hype. I mean, that's a really long time, man. It's more than double the amount of progs uh, we've covered so far. Uh, <laughs> hate it. But, yeah, I mean, we, we should talk a little bit more about... Um, like there's there's a, a point maybe actually later in the show just based on a letter in the nerve center and then in 580 for sure when, when we get there just about why they they've made this decision I guess it's it's kind oh. of interesting in just discussion of the comics industry I suppose sure but I am gonna miss um a scare strong team dog I, it's always been a high point I think I mean, it's been either at at or near the top of our of, of our uh, thrill uh, of our thrill picks I mean I'm just surprised because it's maybe kind of this baby right I mean yeah he's definitely done the like like he I believe he was the first artist for strong team dog he's definitely done especially in 2000 AD almost all of it. Um, there were a lot of non-Ascara Strong Team Dogs in both Star-Lord and there have been in like annuals and specials and stuff. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's very much like I'd say for me, Strong Team Dog is as associated with Alan Grant, the writer, as it is oh, with sure. Carlos Ascara, the artist. You know, those two guys are the big guys for it, which is unusual for these British comics, actually. I mean, usually if something's long running, they'll get new, you know, different artists will step in as, as right, well. Right, keep things kind of fresh looking or fresh feeling in terms of story. And that's and partially get... why they're making the the switch, I guess. Okay. Although it still doesn't feel worth it, you know, but yeah. I don't know. Um, but with that said, let's um, talk about some more Hitmen with Thrill 3, Judge Dread. Oh, yeah, baby. Man, this yeah, whole thing, this is a... It's a horrible welcome back. It's true. Yeah, script about John Wagner and Alan Grant. These are the last, like this and 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 Strontium Dog with these last, like, sort of gasps, just finishing up deadlines and stuff of the Wagner-Grant partnership. Um, art robot Jim Bakey and Cliff Robinson, letter, letter robot Tom Frame. Oh, babe. Yeah. We pan through an apartment with broken glasses on a table and the TV talking about the events of Super Surf 10. Jug McKenzie is one, of course. There's chaos in the streets of Mega City 1 because of it. Violence. Suicides are at an an all-time high. All kinds of stuff like that. (laughs) You know, just a normal thing when people get upset in the city. Definitely. In the apartment, we see pictures of an actress, a ballet dancer, and a city counselor all listing death dates. And one picture that's had a bottle thrown at it. It's a picture of Chopper! On the coffee table, along with some broken glasses and sandwich fixins, we see bomb-making supplies. Oh. Hmm. Cut to... Yeah, cut to the spaceport as a mysterious man starts narrating. It was gonna be tough to get the bomb close enough. We see a bunch of protesters waiting at the gate as Dredd disembarks from the flight from Oz. And this man... Talking to someone dipping biscuits in some tea explains that every everyone there was a maggot and a coward. But <laughs> okay. I'm not afraid of a little blood. So, you know, a crazy person. Yes. Dread passes the crowd when suddenly there's a massive explosion. Oh, crap. Oh, man. How did all of this happen as it was revealed to us that this guy's a huge jerk? Yeah. Dozens are dead or injured and even Dread's doing pretty bad. A metal rod sticking out of his chest. Oh, uh, you know. I love how the guy's just like, after he pulls it out, or just like, hey, welcome home, man. How's it going, buddy? Um, so later normal. In the, totally. Later in the Hall of Justice, the tech judges have, have reconstructed a video of the attack. 
The bomb was in a lady's bag, and only her bo- her boyfriend's body in front of her shielded the blast and kept Dredd from being killed. Which, all right, I, I just don't know if that's Bad how times. that works. If you look at the big picture of the explosion, you can actually see that that dude's uh, coat is like wrapped around Dredd's body and stuff. It's pretty oh, crazy. Fuck. Um. Dread, however, it isn't buying all this story, though, because the folks that are doing it don't look like they're in the right mood for suicide yeah. bombers. They're just having fun doing a riot, like all mega, mega citizens yeah, like, hey, it's going to be great. Let's go down to the hate judge, judge Dread rally. Like Always we do. a good time for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's that. It was it was that or uh, Raid Area 51, I suppose. Oh. Um, <laughs> no one's showing up. I, I like a hundred people did, which is more than I expected, honestly. Well, oh, that's because most of them were in Las Vegas, just mulling around a party. Yeah, that was my, that. That's what I would do if I had a little bit more travel money. I would have done that. But anyway, at Clapton Tower, Eric Clapton Tower, one would imagine near the Falwell footbridge for Jerry Falwell again. I guess a private shrink is talking to this assassin guy. He's clearly here trying to get over his obsession with killing people, but yeah. now it's personal. I feel like he's definitely not. I feel like he's just expounding oh, all yeah. of it and just kind of enabling himself while the guy really doesn't listen to him for a like, dick and just keeps eating all of these biscuits. It's true. This is not like, listen, I feel like at this point I want a robot psychiatrist if I'm in Mega City 1. Like <sighs> A human psychiatrist just seems like he's just there to let you uh, tell stories about how you're a great killer or something. Um, just, I, I don't yeah. know if that's a good thing to be in on. <laughs> it's true. He's got to be more precise to take out his new target, Judge Dredd. And he pulled Ooh. out a sniper rifle. The hitman discusses hunting Dredd to his shrink as the doctor eats more biscuits. In a pretty sweet coat and beret, he waited with his sniper rifle for three days until Dredd came rolling out of his place at the Rowdy Yates block. When he <laughs> did, eventually he goes home. Yeah, well, listen, you know, I mean, he got out of the hospital from being bombed and stuff like that. Rowdy Yates, of course, will remember was a uh, Clint Eastwood's character on the show Rawhide. Mm-hmm. Um, when he when he when he showed up, the hitman shot him right through the E on his badge. Oh my God! So precision. Yeah, knocked him off his bike, and the hitman gets Dread through the shoulder eagle as well. And when Dread falls, his helmet just gets cracked in his head, and his skull oh. gets messed up on, in the fall. Oof. Dread survived, survives, but the hitman still gloats. The shock from the violence would have been enough to kill a normal man. The contest is on. And then, oh my God, we see Judge Dread's eyeball. Yeah. The shrink wonder why he keeps coming to talk here. I mean, the killer's name is Jeffrey. Jeff just wants someone to know what he's doing. And the shrink is bound by by patient confidentiality. Mm. Though, of course, in real life, Fox, you know, if you tell a mental health professional you're going to hurt yourself or others, that bond is broken and they're going to tell somebody they're all designated reporters. That <sighs> yeah, I mean, you know, not everything is. Uh... Oh, why am I forgetting the name of that mob show? Oh, The Sopranos? Yeah, not everything's The Sopranos. Although I think even Tony Soprano didn't, like, uh, you know, his basic talk wasn't saying, and then I killed that guy. He No, he was, I mean, it was kind of, but yes. Yeah. Jeff is, in fact, worried that this is the case as the shrink starts to (laughs) choke on one of his biscuits. Oof. In the hospital, Dredd is bandaged up. Like you said, yeah, you can see his eye, and this is a rare one where... He actually has like a helmet, kind of, but it's not like he's wearing his judge helmet in the hospital. No, it's, it's a um, Healy helmet. 
Yeah, he's got something that's basically holding his brain together after his skull was fractured um, in the fall from his bike. Good techno hand waving. Good. I like it as well. You know, I, I like um like I don't like when Dred's in the hospital just like shirtless wearing the helmet. Yeah, that's a little I, weird. Yeah, but I do like when his head's covered in like anime style bandages <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> hey man, gotta keep all those brains in your skin. I appreciate that, honestly. It means he's taking a lot of head blows, you know. Um Chief Sil we we see Chief Silver arriving in his hospital room. He's got great for Dredd. Being real well, weird. He is kind of funny about it, although I will say this is something that I've learned is a very British thing, is bringing someone grapes specifically when they're in the hospital. Okay. Which is not an American tradition, I must say. So it is weird when somebody like does – when there's some when – some, when, when you're watching like a British sitcom and they do some kind of joke around like the grapes that someone's brought them. Sure. You've had enough nuts for one day, et cetera. Yeah, or something like I. I just remember in Red Dwarf one time, like they, so so like someone's in the hospital and, and like like they he he got grapes and someone had eaten all the grapes, so it was just like a stem or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, why why bring up grapes though? What's going on? But apparently that's just a British thing. Anyway, sorry. Interesting. That's, a, that, that's an no, no. I, I was curious. One of our little cultural differences, which I always appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeffrey Jacoby, the hit, the name of the hitman, deletes his record as from the shrink's computer oh as he explains how he's killed the doctor by uh, poisoning his biscuits. The shrink dying says he wouldn't have told, but Jacoby knows that's not true, especially once the judges came sniffing around. Yeah, of course. I mean, judge is going to judge. Seriously, they, 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 got, they got drugs and stuff to do it, you know? Yeah, it's pretty he bad. Burned, yeah, it's bad. It's, you know, it's, listen, fascist state. Like, you got to expect it. <laughs> He burns the shrink's physical records as well. Silver assures Dredd they're after his killer. Um, they're after his would-be killer, and Dredd's feeling pretty bad about all this stuff. Man. Just that, like, he didn't see the 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 attack coming. I guess. Yeah, but it's so in a really like off-character thing for Silver, and not so much Hershey later. But they're just like, oh man, you know, I'm glad you're a little human or whatever. Yeah, it's like that's not. I mean, it's just not. Silver is. He was the like counselor, or teacher, professor of applied violence. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's weird. But I think everybody, and, and, and this is a holdover from uh, from Magruder's administration as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's this idea that we've we seen that like dread is really valuable, but he's also. Getting a little older. Yeah, they're um, they're definitely some, putting that on thick this time. Yeah. He's having some problems with confidence and things like that. And so you've got to kind of treat him with kid gloves a little bit, especially when he's in a really weakened position like right. he is now, you know, in, in the hospital clinging to life almost. Not just tighter boots, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Can't wear boots when you're in the hospital, sadly. Mm. Um, and also, also dreads also, but 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 besides not seeing the the uh, the killer, dreads also feeling real bad about letting Chopper go. Oh yeah, but I mean, also um, like, don't don't kick yourself too hard on that one. Come on, buddy. Uh, Silver absolves him of blame, says he should see the shrink if he's feeling bad. As Jacoby walks away from his own shrink's flaming office. Oof. Good move, man. I also just generally say, like, I got a lot of respect for, like, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, but they always call them shrink here in Mega City 1, so I'm yeah. just going along with that for the record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the hitman's putting on a uniform, Judge Bullet, as the smoking remains of the shrink's office is processed by judges, led by Judge Hershey. Woo! Love that, Hirsch. 
Yeah, thoughts and prayers to Judge Hershey Fox, which we, you'll learn about in like 1,477 procs. What? But she she's having a bad time in Prague 150. Like Damn. The worst time. Uh, she dispatches the other judges to investigate as Jacoby hides a gun in his uniform. He hails a cab to the Hall of Justice and tries to copy a judge's air of authority. And the <laughs> cabbie's like, why are you taking a cab here, judge? Stuff God, like they, that. They really focus on these, this man's lips. Yeah, it, that's really weird. I don't know if I like that, honestly. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a little he's got much. These, he's got these weird kind of bulbous lips that are mm. kind of like um, unusual. And yeah, they are the central focus of the character. First, when he's just talking... And then even once you've seen his whole face, you know, they still just focus on those. Yeah. Um, at the uh, Bishop Mouncy bl- uh, block, who was the Bishop of uh, Luban and Sarawak from 1909 to 1916. It's like Singapore or whatever. Um, the shrink's wife is spilling the beans about <laughs> his client list, which includes a killer. Turns out you talk to your wife. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know the killer's name, but still gets a few years for not reporting it in. So, uh, she, so mega city. It feels right, honestly. Like, you know, you got to talk, you know, <laughs> you got to like, like inform, you know, there's prizes it's, to be won if you inform. Oh Fox. my God. In, inform, inform on your family now. Like literally, the, I mean, I don't think we've seen it that much now, but there are later, like literally like a, uh, a publisher's clearinghouse kind of thing. Like, you know, in, full equilibrium. Enough, like inform on enough people, and you will get like a ten-speed bike if you're a kid or something. Hey, like why that, not? You know, yeah, definitely. Um. Anyway, two blocks from the Hall of Justice, J- Jacoby gets out of the cab and starts walking. Meanwhile, Hershey is briefing Dread on the situation. They should be able to run down the killer using the shrink's uh, f- financial records. Jacoby heads to Dread's room as Hershey, um, you know, just kind of has a heart-to-heart about the chopper situation. Honestly, yeah, which is you know awesome of her. Yeah, she says they can't all just be machines all the time. Sometimes feeling will get in the way, but Dredd's not happy that that's the case for him. No, he doesn't believe in heart and maybe soul. <laughs> no. Hershey talks to a doctor about how worried she is about how down Dredd's feeling. And the doctor says that age might be catching up with him. Yeah. It's really funny when you sort of think about they're talking about this now and you know, as we're recording this 29 years later, Dredd's still tough on the streets, you know? Oof. <laughs> um, Jacoby's heading, although this is also this is also one of these things that's sort of building up for an upcoming Dredd story as well, huh. just FYI. All right. Like, it's going to be real interesting. It's going to be a cracking story. Anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Folks at home are, uh, <laughs> are, are loving it. Jacoby's heading out of a lift on, to, on Dredd's floor when Hershey stops him. He gets real nervous, but she just wanted him to hold the elevator. Yeah. She sees his badge and something about the name Bullet catches her mind. Oddly. Yeah, it's a bit on the nose. Yeah, Jacoby enters Dredd's room as Hershey calls it in. And indeed, like you said, it's on the nose because there's no active Judge Bullets on the roster. It's just that and it was used in a uh, in a recent stage play, Bullet for the Man. So it's like a triple pun, basically. Uh. <laughs> and yeah, it's bad times because there's no actual bullets. So that guy's clearly an imposter. Jacoby is explaining this whole situation uh, to Never Dredd monologue. As he points a gun at his face. Hershey has called it in, and both she and several doctor types are running to dress room with their guns out, which is pretty yeah. awesome. Like there's like hey, a, man. a nurse with that's just packing heat. It's pretty excellent. Hey, she's a judge. Um, 
Yeah, listen, everybody's set up for it. But then a shot rings out. It's Dredd. Han shot first. I mean, Dredd shot first. <laughs> Apparently, he just had a lawgiver in his bed with him this whole time. I mean, <laughs> and he you just know. shot through his blankets at Jacoby. God, so baller. Seriously, the judges sweep. Uh, the judges, the, the judges sweep. Jacoby's apartment as Dredd explains that he might be getting old, but he's nobody's patsy. Oh, the yeah. The case is wrapped up, and Hershey says Dredd, he's says Dredd, he's uh got he he's uh free and, and, and can relax, and Dredd agrees that he's off the case until next time. <sighs> Someone's gonna try and kill me again. Pretty pretty soon, probably. I mean, just nature of the beast. My name's <laughs> the title, you know. <laughs> okay, so, okay, Fox. It's, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, let's go back in time to when we almost made these people get divorced the first time. Yeah, that was back in Prague 527 when Cliff Robinson drew a couple about to get married when the groom revealed himself to be part of a weird attention-seeking subculture megacity one called The Simps. Real dumb. Now they're back. But but I I do like um, when art when, when artists get certain subcultures sort of associated oh, sure. like with their art style. You know, I think obviously the big one was um, Ron Smith and the Uglies, but mm. Cliff Robinson and the Sims seems pretty fun too. I like it totally. So uh, note, uh, Nobby and Clovis Clump live in the <laughs> Giles Brandreth block. Who at that point was a news presenter or someone who did something on the news, okay. but was later a, a member of, uh, of the British Parliament. And she's had enough of him being out simping all day. I mean, he's just a real attention-seeking jerk face. Yeah, it's just her and her goldfish all the time. It's no good. I, yeah, actually, that is pretty fucking rude. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Nobby returns home. He's got a cowboy hat that says simp at large on it with some arrows stuck through. A clown nose, one star painted over his right eye. Uh, he's eye. just a whole character. Eyes. Yeah, uh, party st- one of those party streamer blower things, football pads, cuckoo clock necklace, a wolfman hand, a jack-o'-lantern bag, a girdle, purple briefs <laughs> on the outside of his pants, one leg blue sweatpants, the other a polka dot boxers with an ankle bow and watch. Woof. He loves going out uh, out there and having people notice him, but Chloe wants him to stay home every now and then, and that's impossible, because listen... No one can see me when I'm around the house. Come, oh, come on. I mean, just really, dude. This guy is an asshole, buddy. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Dredd has had enough and he declares them divorced, which we've seen a couple times, actually, in uh, especially actually in the Daily Strip. Like, judges are judges in all ways, so they can't just annul marriages right then and there. I fucking love it. Totally. And then usually it is like, all right, like, you got to go. Whatever. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I like how he, he just is, he gets to choose. He's like, nope, you keep the house. You got to get the fuck out of here, simp. Even though apparently it was originally Nobby's apartment, but whatever. Yeah, so great. And yeah, but Dredd says, listen, okay, like, or, or, or Clo- both Clovis and Nobby don't want to be divorced. And Dredd's like, ah, it's not up to me to question the vagaries of love, I suppose. <laughs> but you definitely need some time apart just to kind of cool things down and figure out what, what you're going to do. Either he wises up or you do. I love that phrase. I love, I, I love Dredd saying he doesn't understand the vagaries of love. <laughs> he can't question the vagaries of love. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Nobby heads out to the welfare office and gets slammed by alimony. Oh, no. Hey, man. I mean, your check's going to get stipend to hell. 
he oh, he gets like one tenth of his allotment. Like he starts with like fourteen hundred credits a month, ends up with eighty seven, and he's forced to stay at the stacker on Bleak Street. Though the welfare robot does love his simp suit, which lightens his mood. Hey, why not? His mood, his mood gets lowered though because on his way there, he does he keeps getting noticed, which he usually likes. But this is more of the uh, I've noticed you, and now I'm going to beat you up and take your stuff kind of notice. I mean, and they've got cuffs on with fucking blades on them. <laughs> It's, not, it's crazy. Good. This is not yeah. good people to get beaten up by. Totally. He loses all of his money and gets his ass kicked several times and says, all right, this, enough of this. I'm going back to Clovis. When he arrives, he just like, like she opens the door. He like tosses her out. Real and the door behind him. Puts some bar- you know, barricading the door and stuff like that. This is never a good idea, man. No, this is not the way to do it. Dred's called in and he demands Nobby surrenders himself to be taken to the cubes, not wanting to go to jail. Nobby grabs his old power board, but realizes the judges will catch him he tries to escape. So instead he puts the goldfish, who's perfectly innocent, on the board and oh, sends it off into the goldfish. sky. Seriously, Dredd, hearing the board, possibly suffering from some kind of power board-based uh, PTSD at this point. He just had some bad experiences recently. <laughs> um, bursts in. And sees the, that that uh, that Nobby is apparently taken off and goes to uh, to uh, to catch him. Um, and when Nobby reveals himself to Clovis, oh, he's this. in a maintenance trap under I love the floorboards so of the much. house. Yeah, he's basically stuck in a small Jeffrey's tube down there to get oh, kind of Star Trek. Love, you. love you, love you. <laughs> but a bookshelf has fallen on him, so he's trapped under there. He begs Clovis to let him out, but she has other plans. Oh, she yeah. gets a hammer and nails and nails that trap door shut. Got that mega city insanity just coursing through her veins. I love it. Everybody's a second away from some sort of murderous insanity in Mega City. Oh, it's so fantastic. In the denouement, the, uh, her goldfish crashes into the Black Atlantic and oh. dies three minutes later in the polluted seas. So horrible. And who, but who, but who knows how not, how long Nobby will last trapped in the floor? And we see Clovis just pouring a nice cup of tea down a funnel through a tube that just splashes right into his face in the goddamn it's, floorboards. It's so it's so fantastic. I love that she just drilled a special little hole just so she could funnel liquids onto his face. It's sort of half like a cask of Almorado, half. Uh, mm. Roses for Emily kind of situation oh, going on here. Beautiful. Conrad talking that literature. Look at that. Anyway. Got your prose before bros. <laughs> you know, at the same time, honestly. Uh, Next time on Dread, yeah. Skeet and the Wrecking Crew. Oh, great. Are they going to do some skeet surfing? I don't know. We'll see. It's, it'll be good times. But yeah, listen, like we're just past Oz or past Oz here. I like the little uh, sort of just follow up and just, just some Oz fallout here. We see people yeah. protesting dread about um about about the, uh, the the chopper situation and stuff like that. It's good times. Yeah. I, you know, it's nice. It's a nice little it's a nice welcome back dread. Let's get you, uh, you know, blown up, stabbed, shot at. Yes, it's, it's, it's a good it, welcome you know? home. Yeah, you know. Totally. Few more scars to add to the collection of scars already on top of other scars. Always, yeah. And speaking of us, uh, scarring events, Fox. Oh no! Non thrills, covers, and nerve setter. Hooray! Prague five hundred seventy-one. I am the law. Beautiful black cover, man. Yeah, Steve Dillon draws Dread back on the streets. I believe there may be a, a, a self-portrait of himself at the bottom there. Where's uh? Oh where really? His, With his uh. S- 
where his signature is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, this cover is black as hell. It's dread with a black uniform and the black background of the city at night. It's really awesome. Love it. There doesn't seem to be a nerve center this week. The clock ends uh, with a Simon Bisley pinup of cool Fucking assassin awesome. Joe Pineapples. Yeah, he's looking very Zardoz with his red thong. <laughs> Michael Jackson-esque red leather sleeveless short jacket. Real he's bu- looking real like a B.A. Baracus. Definitely. Prog 572, Dread lies seemingly dead in front of a tombstone as the hitman looks on in his snappy beret Gasp. drawn by Jim Bakey. I was positive this there was another Dread cover like this. I huh. In my mind, it's Dread laid out and like Walter is like cradling and being like, Dread, don't be dead. But I oh, couldn't yeah. find it. So oh, I don't maybe know. that was Someone when he uh, feigned his own death that one time. I was pretty sure it was from, yeah, from a Muty the Pig, but I, I couldn't figure it out. I don't know. Hmm. Um, happy to be corrected. In the nerve center, Tharg announces the end, the, the end of Strontium Dog and Rogue. No, though both will be back by the end of this episode. Of course, there are pictures of Tharg the Stone and Judge Woolley, a reference <laughs> to Scottish comic strip character R. Woolley Russell. Okay. Letters pick nits about Oz money, requests for more Simon Bisley, sightings of a future leak and requests to purchase original art. Because I guess the uh, the Simon Geller bot said all 2000 AD art is for sale Ooh. in the 1988-2080 annual. But you got to talk to the artists themselves for that. No back, and, th- and they don't sell back progs either. <laughs> like, I love the audacity of somebody just writing in, being like, yes, I'd like to buy um, the original art for uh, one Fucking. of the pages of this uh, original Simon Bisley run. Hey. Like, I looked it up. Like, he wants an SMS page, but the, I could only find one of those, and it was like $10,000 or something like that. I mean, hey, if you got that kind of scratch, I guess. Yeah, but I just like the idea that like um, you do it to like the big company that that's running these comics. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of true. Around and not like listed anywhere or anything like that, you know. Mm. Um. Anyway, the prog ends with a very teal-looking Kano plugging the cruel heart section of Bad Company Two. Very Coming cool. To prog five seventy-six. Yeah, next episode should be Love there. How teal he is. Very. Yeah, he's got that bluish man. Love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 573, Liam Sharp draws a ward, wardroid in disguise as Hammerstein <laughs> wears a fancy mask as the bots go undercover. Man, it does not do justice to quite how ridiculously cute and also hilarious that that whole getup gets. I totally love it for sure. Um, in the nerve center, um, um, it appears after ABC Warriors this week as Tharg announces their return, as well as a one-off Strontium Dog strip, which you talked about. Mm-hmm. There's fan art of Tharg, the Prince Rogers Nelson, and one of my favorite pieces of fan art, actually. <laughs> it's by pretty Aiden good, Kenny. man. Yeah. Very Ron Smith dread is getting ready for action, but then sees that Brendan McCarthy is doing the art today. <laughs> so he does this, like, Beetlejuice kind of thing where he, like, stretches out the eye holes of his helmet and, like, its rim and just switches his helmet to that sort of wide Brendan McCarthy helmet style, which it's I thought was fantastic. really funny. Yeah, that was and good. Just, at that point, I had not really been paying attention to the credits, so I just love the idea of like, oh yeah, like these artists really do draw Dread so differently, you know. Yeah. Letters ask if Dread is really a judge, like in the legal sense, because uh, there I mean, was yeah. like there have been lawyers and stuff, so like just what kind of legal powers Dread has versus just kind of being a cop. Um, 
There's some brain and nitpicking about Zenith, like the parts of the brain mandala effect. A nice mm. review of the Halo Jones stage play. Midprog is a gig guide for signing and signings and stuff. I guess a lot of Alan Moore with Dave Gibbons for Watchmen and oh, Brian cool. Ballin for the Killing Joke. Like they're, they're, he's doing Moore's doing press runs for both those comics. It seems at, the, at, at this point, which is just man, that's a real high point in um, in, in comics in, in the in in comics generally. Mm. There's also a comic mart in Swindon for back issues of 2000 AD. Whoa. The, the prog ends with a pretty sweet pinup of, of Judge Dredd swinging into action by Ian Gibson. Love to see my, Gibson back doing this stuff, yeah. My favorite part is that the, the eagle actually has eyes. It looks like it's looking around. My favorite part is his, his knee pads, which are like, are like full oh, like true. wings coming out of his legs there. It's crazy. They're gigantic. Knee shields, quite frankly. Definitely. Prog 574, Scream Blue Murder. Steve Dillon draws Rogue heading out on hit three. In the nerve center, Tharg confirms the hit and announces the uh, simp about the house story. There's a picture of a robo-judge and a very gross Tharg the Horrendous. Letters include a student making 2080 posters and requests for a new artist for Strontium Dog. Boo! Oh, yeah, no. Why? But I do see this precedent. I mean, I don't know. This guy's kind of talking about like, hey, like hasn't, you know, it's for better or for worse. Carlos Escara has been drawing Strontium Dogs since <sighs> since 1978, all, over 10 years, you know. And don't I think fix what ain't broken. I mean, that's definitely I, I agree. All right. I'm just trying to put together what the editors might, might have been thinking, you know. Mm. And I think that at this point, they've just had two really big art changes for more modern guys in uh, Nemesis and ABC yeah. Warriors, you know? Um, like, so the idea of, like, man, like, at this point in 88, like, people are starting to, people are, are aging out of the comic almost. Well, and <laughs> like, you're getting a lot of these, like, big ones that go for a much more visceral kind of art style, I guess. Yeah, like, we're just seeing these big changes in, like, how the comic works and stuff mm. like that. And so I could see them kind of think and like it just generally like, oh, it's like 1988. I don't know if we want to just and have this guy who's been doing it all these years keep doing it. We want to mix things up. And I think that's also really helps explain the Simon Harrison choice just because mm. there's like there are a few artists that are more the opposite of Carlos Escara than Simon Harrison, you know, right. just in terms of his of his style and like what he focuses on and things like that. So it definitely feels like like it is kind of change for change's sake almost. Like they yeah. just kind of want to have hip hip new hip new stuff, you know, <laughs> it's the 80s, we got to like be modern and things like that. Sure. And in doing so, they've just really uh messed with something that was really great. Um and you know, I mean honestly like like, this is sort of Conrad's little pet thing, but it is also kind of a move towards, like, a British artist instead of a scarer or something like I that. Mean, I mean, I, I like, feel... I feel a little bit of that just as we see uh, Belladrinelli winding down in 2000 mm. AD. Although, honestly, it's not really... Hell, it, 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 it's not a criticism that holds up in Ascara's case because he does end up doing a ton of stuff for Dread and still being a vital part of the comic, even if he's not the guy who's doing Strong Team Dog every week. Yeah, I would hope it's not just, yeah, trying to get anyway, more British people on there. Yeah, for suggesting it, though, you and I are enemies, Rog Crow of Penn Wolverhampton. Boing, <laughs> boing, boing, baggies, baggies, you <laughs> bastard. Uh, wow. Anyway. 
Another letter demands um, demands ten pounds. Um, another one loves the direction of the comic, demands more flicks columns. Like, man, you need what? that much negativity in your life, pal? Yeah, man. <laughs> the pro- the prog ends with an ad for the Three Stooges video game. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen this one, Fox. No, I have not. <sighs> I remember seeing screenshots of of the NES version, the 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 eight bit Nintendo version. Sure. And it seems incredibly crazy. Like it's one of the like there's big sections where the game is like three different screens and there's stuff Whoa. going on in all of them you have to pay attention to and stuff. All right. Oh, that's um, kind of interesting. I, I played it once and it was just one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. It's impossible. Okay. Well then um, I'm I don't I'm not surprised. How's that? <laughs> it's very much one of those games where um if you just picked it up, it would take you like a week to try to beat it but if you see a let's play of someone beating it that that kind of passes everything right away it takes 15 minutes you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah that kind of thing good um, so great and, and speaking of uh nostalgia for times when things were actually very disturbing fox <laughs> <laughs> thrill for summer magic oh my god I I have I don't know what to feel about this comic. I I I like this story, this series. It, it, yeah, it's interesting. So there's it been is. Dis- oh, please uh, go ahead. I mean, there's been some discussion that this is sort of Harry Potter be- before Harry Potter. I think. I mean, in that you know, it is kind of an, an English kid learning magic. I guess. <laughs> I, you know, th- who said this? It was also not Alan Moore. God, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the guy who did Graveyard Book and, uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Like Neil Gaiman also, you know, points to his book before fucking Harry Potter. Yeah, came no, out. I wouldn't, I, I would make that claim fully, although it is kind of interesting, I guess, but yeah, yeah this is sort of, not like, everybody likes to say that, man. It's more of just, I, so I like this story. I'll preface yeah. that right now. I am curious to see where it goes because I, you know me, man, I like dark magic stuff but wolfie left me with a bad taste in my mouth so i'm being somewhat standoffish i will say i think this one's way better than wolfie smith fucking great that's That's all i needed to hear maybe fate praise but i think also like an like an important point to make oh of course i mean it's a distinction that i need (laughs) yeah so script robot alan mckenzie art robot john ridgeway letting robot annie hafakery uh the past is a foreign country things are different there oh um, and that, that's the opening of this new thrill, although it's misquoted because they attribute it to A.P. Hartley when it's actually L.P. Hartley, whatever. Okay. Um, and the artist here, John Ridgway, previously did some dread stuff, including the, uh, the Raggedy Man, among other stories. Anyway, Fox, it's summer of 1962, and young Luke Kirby has been sent to the country to stay with his uncle Elias. Man, this feels like such a bygone time where you can just throw a kid on a train and have him walk around to town without any supervision. Abs- this is it's. I mean, it specifically says it's sixty two, so it does throw back to that. But it is very much like a uh, mm. like a a Stranger Things Stand by Me sort yeah. of like like where your parents specifically say like dinner is at six. I don't want to see you before that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, also, like Elias is messed up. To, me- is a messed up name for me right now because there's a uh, professional wrestler named Elias and he's this asshole who plays guitar and makes fun of the city every time. He's like oh, big really? beard and stuff. I love him. He's such an asshole. Anyway, um, <laughs> 
So Luke is traveling by train, but there's no one to meet him at the train station. Some random dude tells him to basically <laughs> head down the road and he'll get there eventually. Hey, sure, um, why not? Yeah. Luke makes his way down the street, stopping to watch a big bowls match where a distracted old guy makes an improbable trick shot. It's hard, like, there is sort of some difficulty with the motion lines here just to see, but basically the, the ball makes like this crazy zigzag pattern. Yeah, it's, it kind it's of, totally it almost, impossible. It almost does like a, like a 45 degree angle around, like it's weird. Yeah. Luke asks the guy how he did it. And this guy just does some straight up fucking magic, manifesting <laughs> fire in his hands. Like, hey, Jesus, man, ain't, okay. Ain't nobody looking, so time to show you my all the cards that I got. Yeah, seriously. Um, then he tells him to hurry on to the house where he's supposed to be staying. There he's met by his uncle's housekeeper, Mrs. Birmingham, and she's making dinner when his uncle arrives home. And it's the magic man from the game. Oh, whoa, magic uncle. Luke wonders why Elias didn't um, identify himself, and his uncle gets all mysterious about it. Oh, I, I did. did. You just weren't listening. Like, oh, you God. did not. Get out of here. I mean, unless it was like, <laughs> hey, can you hear me? I'm using telepathy or whatever. Yeah, telepathy. But then he, I mean, it's just like, what? Like, and also, yeah. what? Exactly. It's just weird. It's this weird thing. This whole thing filled me, filled me with weird vibes first. I think that th- that's what it's trying to do for sure. Um, anyway, no time for supper. Some wild dogs have been attacking local sheep, and Elias, Elias is helping to hunt them down, and Luke can come along. <laughs> so the first thing that you'd, of course, do is just bring this child out into the dark woods with a bunch of, like, old men with guns as you hunt wild dogs. Just 1962 things. Hashtag, you know? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, there's a big bonfire as the men of the village gather with their shotguns to hunt these wild dogs. Luke, Elias, and a dude named named Jonesy sets off to find the pack. Jonesy says that Elias was once a magician, and Elias corrects him. You're always a magician. And then does a little bit of pattern, a patter about the amazing Elias, to uh, which Elias promptly pulls a big-ass rabbit out of his tiny little hat. Yeah, and crazy. just like and just what? hands it to him. <laughs> yeah, just here. This rabbit's fine with you holding it, I guess. I'm pretty sure it's a dead rabbit for the record. Um, <laughs> it's always a dead rabbit. Just based on like on like how it's like kind of like stretched out and stuff like that. Yeah. There doesn't have a lot of the dynamic tension of life if you're if you're if, if you're feeling me here. Anyway, oh my god, <laughs> he why did he keep comes... a dead bunny in his hat? I think he just magicked it up, man. <laughs> um, I mean, otherwise you've got to think that the trick shot was he just always has a dead rabbit in his hat. One way or another, it's weird. Um, he starts to do some some kind of rope trick around Luke's wrist. And it's interesting because it seems like the rope's also tied around his wrist. But when an, uh, the, a howl, a howling echoes through the forest, they got a head off. Tally-ho! And suddenly the he's they, not tied to the kid. Whoa! Yeah, and they've just le- left. The, the men head off to hunt and... Luke's just standing there with a rope tied around his wrist. This really doesn't seem like a great thing to do to just leave a child in the middle of a dog, wild dog infested wood. But, you know, I mean, what's the Ugh. worst that could happen? Oh, shit. What are those eyes? <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant, weird looking monster. Glowing eyes appear from the darkness and Luke is gripped by a giant, crushing, overwhelming fear. He runs for a nearby tree, just like scampering up it with, without even thinking about it. We see a cup, a, a pack of dogs run out, but behind them a real evil appears, a giant wolf beast with jet black fur and giant fangs. Or huge fangs, I guess, trying to get these words I mean, right. nothing you can't deal with, right? I mean, that's fine. 
fuck. Luke cowers in the tree until Elias and Jonesy finds him, and Elias carries the terrified boy home. Oof. Luke now knows that there are such things as monsters, and they'll devour us all if we let them. Wow, really uh, jumping to conclusions there, buddy, but yeah, okay. You know, he's having a, a transformative experience, man. Why not? Mrs. Birmingham is having tea with one of her friends, gossiping that Luke is pretty messed up about, about what happened last night. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Whatever's out there, it wasn't no dog. She's heading home as Luke, Elias, Jonesy, and a policeman are, are retracing Luke's step from the previous night. They find dog tracks and possibly something bigger. But Elias has wandered off as the guys are looking around. Meanwhile, Mrs. Birmingham is heading home as the sun sets when the monster appears out of the <laughs> forest. <laughs> Clutch move she, to have the nice old lady get ripped apart by the weird demon dog, by the way. She, she, she has a moment to meet the beast's eyes and start to scream when it attacks, spraying her blood on the do not feed the deer sign. <laughs> okay. Bad times. Luke, Jonesy, and the copper hear her screams and come running, find the beast feeding on her body. The cop shoots it with a rifle, seemingly killing it. Oh, man. Yeah, we totally did it. <laughs> and at this point, Luke feels his childhood is over. That's like the, the writing in this. There's a lot of this going on through the through kind of the yeah the, it feels like every episode he ends with saying that my childhood is over or something like yeah that. just like just shredding parts of who he was before as he starts seeing what the world is really like which is full of magic demons uh and people you know dying at the hands of said demons definitely so it seems they've put the monster's corpse in a meat locker overnight <laughs> when they go to check it the door has been ripped off Such with hinges from the idea. inside it's tough um Elias is clearly kicking himself for not being there when the beast was confronted. The constable tries to comfort Elias for the lost Mrs. B, but he shrugs him off. Oof. The older man tells Luke that the beast is still alive and still out there, probably after him. It's the first element of the cycle of prophecy, he explains. Oh, I mean, is this just, is this, is he just Damien? Something. Mrs. B is dead, and worse, the beast probably stole some of her life force when she died. He says, Luke will probably be killed next. <laughs> Such That's a another great part uncle. of the cycle of prophecy. Yeah, seriously. Because the beast is magic and it will destroy everything he loves before it finally destroys him. Man, just really to good vacation time, you know? Seriously, yeah. All, all good vacations involve a, uh, involve a funeral fox. And so they go to Mrs. B's. Oh, jeez. But when they return, Elias really lays it out to Luke. He wants the boy to become his magic apprentice. Dope. To walk the arcane path with awesome. him. Yeah. During lunch, Elias explains the principles of magic to Luke. He turns a go coin to gold right in front of him to prove nice. it. Nice. It's good. They walk to the woods where Mrs. B died for Elias to check it all out. He casts a spell on Luke to make him remember the moment and to both see the beast and get a sense of, mag of Luke's magical abilities as he's confronted by this monster. And we learn that the basically that the force is strong in this one as the stress <laughs> knocks Luke out and Elias carries him home. Perhaps a bit ominously, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I mean, um, he's got kind of those demon eyes, so. Yeah. Next time, the arcane path. Oh, geez. Man, I'm digging it. I like I like me some occult. Like me some some spoopy magics. Definitely some wizard shit going on in <laughs> my summer magic here. Gotta love that wizard shit, man. I mean not not actual wizard shit. I mean, you know, like magic. Boo. 
I think it depends on the quality of the wizard shit. Like, you know, if it's made I mean, of like diamonds, then I'm down, you know? Maybe it's truly magical. Something. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I glad, glad we worked in poop, I guess. Ugh, space spinner motto, I suppose. Oh, my God. Um, and speaking of, um, oh, my gosh, I don't know. People under false pretenses, Fox. Oh, my God. Speaking of no good kids, Fox, just demonstrating everywhere. Beautiful. <laughs> Thrill 5, ABC Warriors. Oh, man. It I, I just, the art is spectacular, man. Yeah, script about Pat Mills, art about SMS, letting her about Jack Potter. I also like their their little nod to uh to the movie Black Hole and like the the wide shot. They had the little mm-hmm. robot in there. <laughs> totally. So the ABC Warriors starts in Prague 573 with an amazing full page full page spread mm. showing the black hole bypass as seen from Agartha. We see giant statues and humongous spaceships and it's real goddamn awesome. It's I mean it's really just glorious. A time before the- it was just like straight up termite. Yeah, and there's a tour guide sort of explaining everything going on here. We learn that the uh, bypasses control systems are actually inside the tomb of Emperor Zalin, who had the uh, bypass constructed, that it discharges excess energy into the time wastes. Within the city, we see a crowds of uh, grim, dark, gothic-attired people and cops on giant snout beasts patrolling the area. Looking so fine. It's cool. Among these folks are Hammerstein and Deadlock. Wearing they, the most fabulous get-ups. Well, we see, ha- like, Deadlock's dust in sort of his standard robes and stuff, but we actually see them sort of scoping out passers-by till they finally find one big aristocrat kind of person, <laughs> knock him out, and then Hammerstein puts on their robes and has, like, not just these, like, big complex robes, but this, like, uh porcelain mask of like a face with like a, a um outrageous makeup and stuff on it he just holds in front of his robot face it's pretty it's, excellent it's very beautiful absolutely loving it <laughs> um yeah so they're here to create a diversion to help them escape agartha a tour guide continues to describe the scenery as deadlock compares the whole place to the tower of, ba- of a babel we learned that Agartha is an early form of art decadent, or Ooh. art deca, which reached its final and most depraved forms in the tunnel, tunnels first seen in Termite in uh, Nemesis Book 1. Pretty rad. Good times. Yeah, I like this. It's just sort of, here's an earlier, more hopeful version of it. Yeah, exactly. Not this uh, disgusting, depraved, horrible mess that it becomes. Yeah. Hammerstein and Deadlock bicker a bit about their mission and the standard, like, oh, like you'll airstrike a village, but you won't go in there and kill everybody personally. Like yeah, yeah, Mr. Chaos. Kind of stuff. You got it. Um, when a student demonstration breaks out, they're anti-time waste and it feels very nuclear waste protest based. Yeah. I mean, they actually say it's like nuclear war. Uh, 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 nuclear waste, but it's all pretty reasonable. Yeah. Like, I mean, that stuff lasts hundreds of years, and it's not like you know time, which is an eternity. Yeah, and so just burying it underground seems like not the most long-term strategy. I've actually read things talking about how um, there were efforts at at a nuclear waste site to actually make warning signs that don't use language, oh. but try to use like images and stuff, ideas that like, oh, what if we were like in a Mad Max kind of situation? And, That's like, pretty fair. You know, 
neo-primitives find these caves, we got to tell them, like, make it clear that that's real dangerous down here. Don't um, enter, you know? That's pretty rad. Some it's an good, interesting good ideas. Thing. Yeah. Anyway, as this is going on in the chaos, which is with just a C, not a K, the bots plant a bomb. Hammerstein, of course, again, like we luxured about this, and Deadlock's too cool for school about it. Yeah. Bomb goes off, and the warriors are able to escape Agartha. They're headed back to the time wastes, straight to the tomb of Zalin. We're on the last lap. Sweet. Now time for some mm. ominous foreshadowing. Yeah, their antagonist, Major Savard, has a visitor. It's an alien with six legs and a general kind of man-scorpion thing going on. Yeah. He is Abaddon, an Ooh. exterminator. Rad. What is an exterminator? Yeah. I think we'll see, but Abaddon is, you know, the concept of doom or an angel of death in the Bible. Good, mm. like, generic bad guy name, I'd say. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in Warhammer 40K, the, one of the, like, the big bad for the Chaos Space Marines is uh, Abaddon to the spoiler, which is good times. Yeah, it's also um, a character in Dota. Yeah, and they just show up a ton. Like, you know, there's an there's a, one of the personas in Persona is called Abaddon, blah, blah, blah. Rad. Um, anyway, we open next on a pretty badass looking ruin card, better known oh, as yeah. the Ten of Swords. And indeed, the warriors are fighting their way through the, mecha- the mechanics in a seemingly endless battle of robot on robot. It is just a mess of things going on for the next couple totally. pages. For this one, we're in Black Blood's head, and he's pretty stoked. The warriors are all about to be killed, which is bad times. <laughs> um, and we and we had another one of these things. We've had this several times where we're in the middle of a big fight, and we focus on one character and get their rundown of the yeah. rest of the team, basically. Um. He's dis- Black Blood's disgusted by Terry and her feelings of love for that jerk Hammerstein. <laughs> of course he is. He says uh, Joe Pineapples just seems cool, but apparently he's in. He's uh, got some kind of mysterious thing he keeps in his chest locker. He likes to dress up in, and, he, and he likes to dress up in some kind of shameful way, which Black Blood has photos and negatives of. All right, man. Meanwhile, Mechquake has switched to a smaller combat body, which is always pretty dope. Pretty rad. I like that he kept his snaky head. Yeah, and he's uh, telling, trying to make a heroic tale for himself, but the mechanics are not playing along, because they're just like, I am security droid 1785897. (laughs) And Mechquake's like, no, aren't you you like the the spoiler from Beyond the Stars and stuff? Yeah, it's uh, pretty... They they aren't going for it. It's pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Um. He skips over Rojas because whatever. It's just mm. Deadlock's an evil bastard faking this mystic stuff to cover that. And that Mongrel's starting to see him as a father figure uh, ever okay. since he like disabused him of his feelings of Lara, I guess. I don't all know. Right. Black Blood is, however, sh- keeps saying all these guys are insane. He's the only normal one, which is a very uh, like yeah. comedian from Watchmen kind of feeling to me almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's um, just not. He's just a real dick. Yeah, and they're fighting their way further and further down the tube, and Black Blood is just waiting for him to give the signal. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah, p- put a pin in that one, I guess. Meanwhile, Savard uh, uh, and Abaddon are following the warriors to the wastes, and that's a scary team-up if ever there was one. I mean, she's already pretty... Didn't she turn into a pig the last time? I don't know what's going on. I never knew, knew what know what's going on with that part, Fox. But no, she's still human, I guess. Yeah, I guess she's looking human. Like a, what she is on the inside kind of thing, uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Next time in ABC Warriors, the Tomb of Zalin. Man, we're getting there. 
Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking this. Um, SMS is really fun. I, I, I like his, uh, cityscapes and things yeah, like that. Yeah. That was really his, gorgeous. His strong suit. We'll get two more SMS and then I believe Bisley will be back for the remainder of, two, of, uh, of right. ABC Warriors next Red. episode. Um, so speaking of getting to the end of the line, Fox. Oh, finally. Thrill six feature jocks. Yeah, only two of them. I can appreciate yep. that. Yeah, this, the, these ones are – we're waiting for that ABC Warriors um, to, to come back in line, mm. I think. So first story, Bliss, scripter about Al McKenzie, artor about Mark Farmer, lettering about Jack Parter. Jack weird. Potter. This one's weird. Yeah. Weird three-pager from McKenzie and Mark Farmer who we, we remember from that slain story, The Treasures of Anoon. Mm-hmm. Charles the Nerd heads to Bliss, a dating company apparently, looking for a wife. And the boss, Mr. Bliss, suggests a badass robot wife. Yeah, why not, I guess. This whole story pretty much seems like an excuse for a farmer to draw some pretty sweet robot ladies of various yeah. sizes and shapes, which is I'm not complaining that much, I guess. You no, know? nah, man, I like the bar- – or not barbarian, but like the leather-clad biker one. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Hashtag uh, Creep Spinner 2000. Wow. Bliss's ability, and uh, Charles eventually picks a robot and uh, one, and they're, and, and they're off on a relationship. And the epilogue seems to be that Charles was actually a robot himself. And Which... Bliss's ability is to match humans with humans and robots with robots without anybody knowing one way or another. Yeah, all right. Don't date robots. Yeah, I guess. That's kind of what it comes down to. They seem to have yeah. their own little agenda. It's true. Next, Wally saves the day. Script about Steve Dillon. Art about Massimo Bellardinelli. Langer about Jack Potter. Four pager here. So badly for this guy. Yeah, uh, written by Steve Dillon, who's usually an artist, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mostly an excuse, I think, for Bellardinelli to draw some crazy aliens. Hooray! I love the guy yeah. who's just a face with arms and legs. It's good. Basically, Wally's this smiling, eye-stalked Pac-Man of an alien, but some other jerk aliens kick him around and call him an idiot. Do something useful, you twat. Which I guess is like anything other than just bouncing around being happy. I guess so. Wally agrees and soon finds a crowd gathered where a lunatic with a scrambler gun is taking hostages. The cops are dealing with it, but Wally thinks he can help. After a few tries, he uses alien powers to jump through the window of the 30th floor. Man, it's a hostage situation. What do you think is going to happen? Wally saves the day, but then he gets scrambled, and so do the hostages. Yeah, everybody gets fucking shot. <laughs> yeah, and then the cops show, and then one of the cops just ends the story by saying, hey, listen, leave the stuff for the cops. Don't be a Wally, all right? <laughs> Let That's, the cops handle busting bad guys. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good reminder. Don't just uh, jump into a hostage situation because yeah. you're feeling down on your luck. Yeah, vigilantes is bad news. Although I do like that he says, um, listen, we make enough messes on our own without having to clean up yours. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, listen, obey all official authorities. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> With all that said, Fox, we've come Ooh. to the end of our thrills. Hooray. And also, salutations. We made it. Exactly. Greetings and salutations is the end of the show. But before we finish it up, Fox, I must know. Ooh. What were your top and bottom thrills for April and May 1988, Prox oh, 577 man. to 574? It's, it's a little rough. Uh, like, my top's pretty easy. I'm giving that spot straight to dread. Really liked his nice. welcome welcome back home story was really nice. You know, it's just like a, a series of funny stuff, and it ends, as, you know, most dread things do, a little sad. A little sad note at the end there, just kind of foreshadowing, and yeah, I don't know. It was just like a, it was a neat thing to kind of remind me like, yeah, Mega City, uh, it's a pretty horrible place most of the time. And then, you know, 
we had like a little one-off that was nice and funny. Man getting trapped underneath the floorboards. Love seeing totally. how crazy people are in Mega City. Yeah, a real uh, mix of uh, of a humor and grimness for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, for bottom, it's a little rough because uh, I I can't I, and I won't actually give it to Summer Magic just because it's on this like nice ramp up. It's got me curious. It's got me interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I would never give it to Strontium Dog. And so that really only leaves, at least in terms of full, you know, full, full four issues. I kind of got to I got to put it as Rogue Trooper. But that's with like this massive asterisk of just like it's interesting and the a story is great maybe that it's down there just because the the b plot of of chips being chips is kind of mm-hmm. enough for me but you know i'm i'm bought in i want to see where this goes you know <laughs> go to hell rogue trooper yeah exactly I, but man i know what you're, I know what you're talking about <laughs> i mean i i breeze through those pretty quick for someone who's usually so indecisive so let me know conrad you mr decision mr decisor Ooh. the the all-knowing what decisor, was your top the decidor. yeah <laughs> decisor the decidor um yeah listen okay I agree that um, I, I like Dread and just this kind of come down from Oz with some just back on the street kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think Rogue Trooper's chugging along. Um, mm. I think this, I do like the attempt to kind of both have these, have like a, a day-to-day story of the of the hits and then this larger story of the Seekers and then a real small story of just the chips acting up again and stuff yeah. like that. That's sort of, it's what you want, like... This is a good version of a Rogue Trooper story for sure. Like this is sort of like it's archetypal almost what you get from that. Strong agree. Um, I like this opening from Summer Magic. I mean, it is real, you know, a a not just contemporary, but actually like a a period story in in a two thousand. Yeah. pretty interesting, and I and I feel like it does a really good job of just making the giving you the the atmosphere of this small town in England, and then like the mysterious dark woods mm-hmm. and playing up the mystery of what's going on with uncle elias and things like that i think that's all really cool um i think so but for my top i'm gonna say strontium dog i like this one beautiful Um, i liked wrapping up the story of the sticks and just the brothers and stuff like that i thought that was pretty cool came around Um, and I really like the melon like both the melancholy end of the story with uh with with, with red yeah Uh, just leaving that open for more stuff and I really like just the end of uh, Incident on Zeta. Just the this, you know, Johnny and his buddies sitting down to play cards and have fun. That's sort of a nice final image of a right. of a scare Strontium dog. I'm also going to say that uh, my bottom Strontium dog because it's the end of the scare on Strontium dog, and I'm really pissed about that. Like super, I'm 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 actually like uh, I'm going to talk more about it in 580, but I'm really angry about this art change. I hate it a lot. Fuck. Um, that does not have me hopeful. And it really, like, it's going to, you know, it changes my outlook on the progs and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't want to poison. I'm sorry because I feel like I'm poisoning you against it, Fox. And I, feel I mean, really I saw, I got the taste of it, man. I, I already kind of made my decision on that. <laughs> but I really don't like it. So I am kind of angry about this kind of thing. And, you know, again, yeah. like, my my goal with this show is for us to be as positive as possible. But I got I, 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 I to speak out again just a little bit. Um, not counting that, I guess I, I would probably say dread, I like overall though, I'd say dread's probably a really good pick for top. Yeah. And, um, I also agree. Yeah. Like Roach, like, I don't know, like mm. 
it really does feel like like a lot of retread stuff in this Rogue Trooper story. As much as it's yeah. archetypal, it is also very much just like the same kind of chip bickering we've seen before. Like to the point where I, I don't want to go back, but I really feel like I was wondering, like, have they done one of these like chi- <laughs> the chips enforce a democracy thing before? Like I'm I'm pretty sure they had. I guess. Not a good sign when you're thinking that I've got to look back to see if we've we're we're breaking new ground or not. Exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's it for me. Um, Beautiful. Man, yeah. Any, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K for everything else like with Space Spinner 2000. You should find us there. Come back next week as we're taking a break from the progs, Fox. Ooh. It's special. It's specials week. Oh uh, yeah, baby. Looking at the 2080 sci-fi special on Monday, the Judge Red mega special on Friday. I'll have several. I'll have special guest hosts to come in, and Fox is going to be taking that week off. But just figuratively, <sighs> Fox, because you're recording next week. Believe you me. <laughs> um, then come back the week after that when the full mental jacket arrives in Mega City One. What? The ABC Warriors are nearing their goal. Luke okay. Kirby learns the secret of summer magic. Rogue gets the, gets another hit. Bad Company returns for the cruel heart. And we'll hear our first tale of the doghouse. Oh, all right. I'm bought in. Yeah, yeah Strong Team Dog Anthology story should be good. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox and we are Space Spinner 2000. Star-Dick.